His name is Darren Doogie Wolfson. He works for Five Eyewitness News, KSTP.com, and he has a podcast. It's called The Scoop, and you can find it. Great interviews with local and national sports figures, local sports inside information. You can find it on uh, Apple Podcasts, 1500ESPN.com, the new mobile app, KSTP.com, anywhere you would uh, generally find podcasts. And Doogie, I was up till 1 o'clock in the morning last night just stewing, tweeting, just playing over the Jeff Teague two-and-a-half-hour dribbling performance. It was magnificent, by the way, for him to dribble for two-and-a-half hours straight like that. Uh, very impressed by Jeff Teague. All right, just the floor is yours, Timberwolves. Well, I mean, I was right there with you, not nearly as depressed, but you and I had a little back and forth at about 12.35 a.m. on Twitter. So, I mean, I was all in on watching the game last night. In fact, I love these 9.30 tip-offs. Wife is asleep. Two kids are asleep, so I can be locked in. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I thought Denver should have won by more. I think Denver had a bunch of good looks, especially yeah. early. I mean, the Wolves' defense has been pathetic all year long. I mean, outside of about a nine-game stretch, 12-game stretch. I mean, really, you look at the body of work, Tibbs' body of work now, what, 100 and, let me do the math, 60 games, right? I mean, he's coached 159 or 60 games. Outside of an eight-game stretch, 10-game stretch, they have played zero defense. It is amazing to me how often the opposition has 80 to 90 points after the third quarter. Just stop somebody. So, I mean, that's what stood out to me, that I thought Denver actually should have won by more. I mean, we can nitpick the Murray, you know, forcing the foul, the sixth foul from Cat. I heard you in the first hour, Judd. Yeah, I mean, Towns needs to stop complaining. It doesn't help him. He's not the only player. There are many players that constantly, well, let me... Let me. I don't want to make the mistake you did in the first hour, Phil. Well, I didn't. I didn't. Almost dropping an F bomb. I, I was about did, yeah. to drop maybe a swear word there, but he just he complains far too much. Uncle Mercy, enough, Carl. Okay, can you? You're super plugged in to the to the Wolves organization and to just to the NBA landscape. I need someone to sell me on Tom Thibodeau, and I was super excited two years ago. I I mean it. It just feels like he wears on the entire organization. There's obviously no defensive. Uh, prowess that's being communicated to the players in a way where they can internalize it. Like they're either incapable or just he's a bad teacher. You know what? I know that he's got three years and $24 million left. So it, it, you know, he's got a hefty load left here. And he is the visionary for this franchise now because he's got all the power. But like, I, I just don't, I don't think he raises the water level. I don't. I need to be sold on Tom Thibodeau. I don't even know if you can. Well, I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, heck, if, if you told me that tomorrow Jeff Van Gundy would take the job. Or the former Memphis coach, Fizdale? Hey, go for it. I mean, it's not my money. Do I think Glenn Taylor is eating $24 million? Plus, if you if you fire Tibbs, you're eating the contract of Scott Layden, who makes millions of dollars. Not quite Tom Thibodeau's $8 million a year. But Scott Layden makes seven figures. So we're looking at a number around $30 million. No right-minded owner would eat that sort of contract, especially if is I he still a right-minded think, owner. Well, can we confirm that he's a right-minded well, he owner? He rescued the franchise, right? I mean, I don't know how long of a leash you get for that, but I remember was, this I franchise was, was going happened, to New sure. Orleans. <laughs> so he still deserves some love for that. I still think they're making the playoffs. They're in a good spot tiebreaker wise. Do you fire the coach who brings you back to the playoffs? Even if you have better than a 50% chance on a yearly basis, eight out of 15 teams in the West make the playoffs. You look at the landscape this year. The Mavericks were all about tanking. The Kings were all about tanking. The Suns were all about tanking. 
I don't think the Lakers had much of an interest in winning a lot of games this year. So, I mean, just on the surface, at the beginning of the year, you had an excellent chance to make the playoffs. But that being said, are you really firing the coach that brings you back to the postseason for the first time in 14 years? But do I think he's an excellent coach? No. I also, though, and I brought this up a number of weeks ago on this segment, and Jed, I'll let you hop in here in a second, but do we pigeonhole Tibbs too much as a defensive coach? I've had people, heck, George Carl. In fact, George might be on the podcast later today. I've had other smart people in the NBA tell me, you underrate Tibbs as an offensive coach. Disagree. What are they right now? Top five? But Doogie. They don't take enough threes. I get it. They no, are, no, they're dead last in Doogie. the NBA in threes attempted. Okay. I get it. But if I told you, okay, so forget about, forget, about, forget about how many points they score and forget about their net rating for a second. The Wolves take the most closely contested shots of any team in the league, and they take the fewest wide open shots. That tells me that scheme is not the reason why they're successful offensively. It's just sheer talent of Towns and Butler and when Crawford gets hot. Well, they are fourth in the NBA in free throws attempted. So if you're taking contested shots, that means you are maybe initiating contact. They do get to the free throw line. That would be the comeback to that. But I understand where you're coming from. It's just it's hard for me to nitpick the offense. To me, 98% of their issues start and end on defense. Sure. So let's go beyond. Welcome, Judd. Thanks, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Fun to be involved. So let's go beyond last night, though, because last night's a bad loss, and I get all that. Uh, But this is certainly not, Doogie, a new story here as as far as reaction to Tibbs and a feeling that it's it's been a less than positive adventure so far. You do a lot. You talk to a lot of people with that team. So let me ask you this. Wow. Because this is not it's not like a okay. lot of people are open books on that. No, no, team. no, no. I know that, but this but, isn't but my Flip but Saunders my, era. Right, right. But my question my question is not going to lead you down the path of giving a definitive a statement about player moves or what might take place next. It's this. We are long out of the era of Lombardi iron fist, you do what I say, and if you don't, you're in a lot of trouble. And oh, but by the way, now you're scared. All right. It's 2018. The NBA is the ultimate players league. Of the people you talk to in the franchise, how many people respect Thibodeau and actually want to work for him? Because you don't need to be liked. Like's the wrong word. But I do think you need to be respected. And I do think in 2018, in a lot of cultures, workplace cultures, people need to want to work for you. And they can't work because they're afraid of you. What is your sense at Target Center of the amount of people who who enjoy and relish the the opportunity to work for Tibbs? It is not nearly as bad as the perception presents itself, if that makes any sense. His work ethic is off the charts. He may claim he has some hobbies. As far as I know, he doesn't have a significant other. He doesn't have any kids. I mean, he may like to go to a movie or a baseball game on occasion, but basketball is his life. So whether I talk to Jamal Crawford, others, they respect that a ton. They feel like game plan-wise, preparation-wise, nobody is going to outwork Tibbs. So because of that, if he's in there at 6 a.m., 7 a.m., grinding until 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, I mean, heck, he was unaware a couple weeks ago that we had a big snowstorm. You know, I mean, he lives right there, down there in downtown Minneapolis. I mean, he's just, he's holed up. He doesn't have windows to look outside. I'm telling you, because Joe Schmidt, our friend, my boss, sat down with him for a while for an on-camera interview, and they talked for a while off-camera. I'm just telling you, Tibbs was was borderline surprised at the weather outside. That's how 
invested he is in trying to get them to play the way he wants them to play. But I get it. He comes across as incredibly miserable. There is a thought that the team takes on the coach's personality. For sure. Smile every once in a while. How about this? How about after last night? It's on me. Have we once ever heard him say, no, Never. Never. I need to happen. do a better job? Deflect credit, even if, shoulder even if blame. Those words fall on deaf ears, right? But a lot of coaches say it. Brad Stevens has said it this year. And heck, look at the injuries Boston has had to deal with. I told you this early in the season, they're still a good defensive team. But Kyrie Irving and Jason Tatum, a rookie, who I think is fabulous. But you look at that collection. How the heck are they a great defensive team? Brad Stevens is just an excellent coach. Maybe that's the wrong bar because to compare anybody to Brad Stevens might be unfair outside of Pops. They might still get to the NBA Finals without Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward because they're that well I still like Toronto or Cleveland, but yeah, they might. But I'm just saying, preparation-wise, nobody's going to outwork him. But yeah, I mean, just every once in a while. Just crack a smile, but out see here, some self deprecation. Like here, and take here, some my, blame, accept some blame. My biggest beef in that area, grinding and outworking. That's not what a great leader and a great teacher needs to do. First and foremost, have your stuff down, and that's awesome. If you can't communicate it and you can't empower players to take your message and your philosophies and and gel on the court, like I highly doubt that Tom Thibodeau is looking at this project and saying, "Yeah, this is exactly." Like, Muddy it up. I mean, his teams are muddy in nature going back to Chicago, but there's such a disconnect after two years between what he wants, obviously, because he complains after every game that they're not tough enough, they're not physical enough, we don't mm-hmm. do this, we got to want it more. And, mm-hmm. and it's all these sort of vague hockeyisms. And I'm looking around the league and I'm seeing other teams and like the blueprint for what a great coach looks and sounds and teaches like Quinn Snyder, Dwayne Casey, Brad Stevens on a different level, Greg Popovich. Tom Thibodeau does not fit that profile, so he better bring something way above and beyond that makes up for him lurking on the sidelines and throwing his players under the bus, and he doesn't. So like, I think you could put almost any replaceable. Now, he brought Jimmy Butler in as a president of basketball operations, and that's what's going to get them to the playoffs if they clinch this thing. But other than that, I think you could replace him with almost any borderline NBA caliber coach, and they would have 45 wins right now, or 40, whatever it is, 44 wins. I don't think he's raising the water level nearly as much as he would like to think in his head going back to Chicago. I think that's fair. I will say, whether it's Jimmy, Taj, his guys will go to bat for him. Yeah. His guys love him. Jimmy proves that on a weekly basis. Now, I'd love to hear from others if they feel like that Tibbs favors those guys, but I can tell you, the level of communication with Jimmy in particular is off the charts. I mean, they communicate daily. So you talk about Tibbs as a communicator. Yeah, He's got Jimmy in his back pocket on that. He communicates with Jimmy, I can promise you that. Now, like on somebody like Jamal, who's my guy, who I've known for years, one selling point to get Jamal here was, you will play the same amount of minutes you played last year with the Clippers. And He hasn't. But Doogie... Not that he hasn't played. Doogie, Doogie, Doogie. But he hasn't. The the thing with Butler and Tibbs works if this is 1992. This is the problem. You've got two guys, and one's a great player, so that's fantastic. But you've got two guys who are in their own cocoon. And they don't understand why the rest of the world doesn't get it. But the rest of the world involves guys like Cat, who's a fantastic talent. That's my point about Cat staying here. And I, I know he can get more here, so he'll probably take it. I get that. He's taking it, yes. Okay, but but you do have to admit, what you have is two guys who are holed up in their own little room thinking to themselves, well, the rest of the people are stupid and they don't understand how, how why don't they get here at 5.30 a.m. and work as hard as we do? 
They don't have any ability, though, to process that the rest of the people who they need working for them are like, these guys are crazy. This is the problem. There's a complete disconnect here. I mean, it's not hard to tell. And 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 the disconnect is Butler and Tibbs. And Butler's such a good player, it can be o- overlooked. But at some point in time, when you have Carl Anthony Towns, who's got to be saying, what are these two even doing? That's going to be a problem. Or it is a problem right now. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. Yeah, I mean, I think you're... You're on to a bunch of different things. You're not necessarily off base from I mean, what I can gather. It would be like it's certainly not kumbaya over there. No, I mean, no. We talked about Wiggins a few weeks ago. Right. It is far from kumbaya. I think what's going to be interesting. But this is a problem about people as much as players, or more so about people. Yeah, I know where you're going with it. Yeah, you yeah. know this yeah. is no, a rotisserie league case. basketball yeah. team. Here's to me where it gets interesting. They can sign Jimmy Butler to a big money extension as soon as this summer. They make the offer, okay. He might say, no, I'll wait. Let me see this thing play out. So what happens after next year? This time, next year. Does Jimmy potentially go to Tibbs, then to Glenn Taylor through his agent Bernie Lee and say, we can't win here. I don't want Carl Anthony Towns. I certainly don't want Andrew Wiggins. Then what takes place? That, to me, Mm -hmm. is the unknown. And are you comfortable going all in on Jimmy who has played a lot of minutes. There's a lot of wear and tear there. Do you want to pay Jimmy Butler a ton of money as a 32-year-old, as a 33-year-old? It's a credit to Jimmy that he plays harder than just about anyone. Look at miles traveled on a per-game basis. I mean, nobody plays harder than Jimmy Butler. Do you want to pay him max money at 32, 33 years old? Do you want to go all in on that? So that, to me, is is what's going to be real interesting moving forward. I still think they make the playoffs, but do they accomplish a whole lot if they are the eight-seed? And losing four games to Houston, or if they are the seven seed, losing five or six to the Warriors, you know that that we can debate. The you only, want to get to a couple other things. Uh, we have like a minute left here, so go. Anything else you have, go have fire away. Rapid fire. Well, I scoops. saw the Yahoo Sports report about the Twins offering Buxton an extension. We talked about that. Yep. Buxton was offered a six-year deal by the Twins, not great money. The final two years were team options. Like if Buxton had said yes to that deal. He would have had to fire his agent. His agent would have fired himself if yeah. they said yes. So what well, the Twins offered the twins these guys, and credit to Yahoo for the Kepler note, the Barrios note, I was told by somebody close to Kepler, it wasn't tough for us to say no. Yeah, That the offer was so team-friendly. Hey, credit to the Twins for trying. For sure, yeah. The worst somebody can say is no, so the Twins tried. But it wasn't anywhere in the vicinity of what these guys were looking for. Also, Yahoo noted that they also made extension offers to two other guys. I can tell you they made one to Eddie Rosario. So that would be the new scoop. I was told no on Miguel Sano. I don't know on Jorge Polanco, so I don't know who else it would be. Yeah. So I don't know if it was two. It might have been just one other. But they did make extension offers for sure to Buxton, which we talked about weeks ago. Kepler is a new one. Barrios is a new one. And then I can advance the story saying Rosario is a new one. All right. Doogie, go find his Scoop podcast, 1500ESPN.com, KSTP.com, and uh, look for him all over uh, KSTP's various platforms. Call it Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait. What rewards? A Dew Operator Skin. Man, I love Operator Skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 and 23.